This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Intel arms its FPGAs. And Cray ponders deep learning supercomputer. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with our friends at top500.org. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, joined again by my podcast partner, Michael Feldman, editor of top500.org. How's it going, Michael? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? We're doing just fine. Interesting news this week in HPC. A couple of stories you've written up on top500.org. Let's start with this new product that Intel has announced. It's Stratix 10 FPGAs. Now, they acquired Altera. We knew that they were going to have FPGA-based products, but What's really interesting here is that they've, uh, as you say in your headline, expanded their comfort zone. They've introduced an ARM-powered FPGA chip. So this is an ARM plus FPGA configuration that takes them away from x86 underneath. Yeah, uh, very interesting there. With the, with the ARM there, it's obviously not x86. So in that sense, it's it's a much of a departure from what Intel has been about. But it's also there's other pieces of technology here. They're using... Uh, this 3D high bandwidth memory technology, which is different from, for instance, what they used in the Xeon Phi, which was their, their sort of native uh, memory cube technology that they co-developed with, uh, with Micron. They could have put that on board. But I think part of this has to do with sort of the, the history of this FPGA, the Stratix 10 FPGA, which was first developed when Altera was sort of an independent uh, company and the development of this this product line sort of spanned the acquisition. And I think what you're seeing here, if I'm sort of reading this right, is sort of some of the leftovers that, that had to move forward as this company got folded under Intel. So there's a lot of Intel in here. There's they're obviously they're they're using the the 14 nanometer FinFET technology to um, to manufacture and manufacture the, these chips, and they're also going to use other components of uh, HP, uh, Intel manufacturing to put uh, this this package together. But uh, I think a lot of this was uh, some of the leftover design under Altera, and it's sort of uh, different from what Intel, I think, would have done if it had been in the uh, design stages from the very beginning. Well, and you point out there's, there's another component here, too, which is a, a digital signal processor add-on. And, you know, that's going to have, as you point out, a, a, a performance per watt play and, uh, and also expands the, uh, the application space that they can go after with this chip. And so it's not just ARM and, and FPGA. There's a DSP component as well. Yeah, and we should mention the ARM component is not going to be in the whole Stratix product line. There's an SOC Stratix 10, and the, the ARM will be put in that one for users who want a... Uh, an on onboard uh, CPU for for those types of applications. The DSP, I think, is going to be on the FPGA itself. The hard uh, DSP, I, I think, will be applied. I, I'm I'm pretty sure will be applied to uh, all the all the chips produced under this line, and that gives you ten teraflops. Uh, this is single precision teraflops, but ten single precision single precision teraflops of hard compute there. And and like you said, the um, the energy efficiency is very good, something like 80 gigaflops per watt, which is quite good, uh, even compared to uh, what GPUs in the Xeon find is. So they've got this other component there that that obviously would make it very attractive to 
certain types of HPC applications and certain types of HPC users, uh, even though Intel is not talking about HPC very much as they talk about the new Stratix 10 that they're sampling, they're talking about it mainly from the standpoint of other data center type of uh, acceleration applications such as um, data analytics, such as Hadoop uh, type of applications, compression, decompression, uh, different types of signal processing, the thing that you would normally use the DSP for anyway, um, or an FPGA, and, and things that are sort of more generic into the data center. Um, but obviously looking at this, at this platform with, with all the capability it has and all the, all the flops it has now, it's definitely a candidate for HPC if somebody wants to use it that way. Yeah, it's really interesting. You pointed out that they're not citing uh, HPC markets for this, a 10 teraflop chip with these kinds of capabilities. And we've theorized in the past about having a lightweight ARM processor with a heavier weight accelerator attached to it, looking for things like ARM plus GPU configurations in the market. Now, Intel's coming out broadly with this ARM plus FPGA with a DSP. I think that's going to be really interesting. The fact that Intel's not marketing it as an HPC processor is definitely noteworthy. And I can think of a couple reasons why that might be. One is that they just think that the analytics space or the enterprise space is so much broader that it isn't worth marketing to HPC. I'm not sure that's precisely true for the performance-oriented segments they could go after. Another possibility is they figure that the real HPC users will find it anyway uh, and buy it without doing any marketing. I'm not sure that's totally true either. I mean, you need to market things in yeah. this space. Another possibility is they just don't want to cannibalize the Xeon and Xeon Phi. I think there's probably a lot to that, which is to say that it's a zero-sum game. I'm going to be selling a processor either way, so they're either going to buy that one or this one, so why put a lot of effort into marketing it? That might be driving their thinking. I think Intel at times has struggled with how to position their products next to one another when they have multiple uh, product architectures in one space. This was They had trouble with this back when they had Itanium. Uh, and, yep. uh, and I think it's going to be even more of a challenge now as they look at Xeon, Xeon Phi, the FPGAs, and now these ARM-enabled chips with the Stratix line. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, and especially towards confusing the lines. I think that's what's going on here as far as sort of downplaying the HPC, and especially with the Xeon Phi line. I mean, they're sort of still establishing where that fits into their lineup. But when you look at a at a 10 teraflop Stratix 10 and and something that you know could also optionally come with its own CPU, and then you look at the Xeon Phi, they've got to be really careful about how they talk about those those two chips. Not just the fact that they're cannibalizing lines, but what are they what are they actually doing as far as confusing the their own their own market and so i i think they'll figure this out right now it looks a little bit difficult and i think because they've just done basically the integration with altera so they haven't sort of created a, the differentiation window between those two but uh i think they're going to figure this out i have a feeling even the next version maybe the stratix 11 won't have an arm and it'll have an x86 and it won't have hbm2 and it'll have hmc2 or three or whatever it is They'll, they'll sort of integrate these things and they'll differentiate the the products in such a way that they don't step on each other. But right now, it, it does look a little confusing and maybe Intel has some work to do there when they actually launch this chip. Right now, they're just sampling them to some of their customers uh, that they that uh, 
they know are going to use these chips. But as they as they launch these chips, I think they're going to refine the messaging a little bit and and how they uh, how they sort of talk about the capabilities. Plus, let's not forget, there's a lot more to HPC than the processor, and there's a lot more yep. to Intel's HPC strategy than just the Xeon and the Xeon Phi. Their exactly. HPC strategy is now really deeply involved in their scalable system framework, SSF strategy, that involves Omnipath, it involves the next generation integrated I.O., it involves Luster, it involves Intel HPC Orchestrator at the middleware layer. So, you know, to what extent do any of those things hook into this new Stratix chip? I think, you know, they're 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 focusing their messaging on HPC more on the the complete HPC environment they're building around the X86 Xeons, and that's probably as good a reason as any to keep these markets segregated. Yeah, that that'll help them differentiate as well. Now, not everybody's going to like that. Some people would rather just buy the chips and put them together the way they want and not have to sort of buy into the whole scalable system platform idea. But, you know, that's, uh, again, that's something they have to deal with. But, yeah, there's, there's sort of a lot of uh, balls struggling in the air for, for Intel here. But, uh, you know, the, you're right in saying that there's a lot more to HPC than just the processor. And certainly Intel has definitely gone down that path and, uh, and, and will continue to do so. Well, now, furthermore, Michael, this week in HPC, you know, the, we're, we're talking about the, the blurring of lines here between some of the analytics space and HPC with regards to the Stratix line. The other market that we've talked a lot about having an overlap is machine learning and deep learning, uh, AI sitting at the intersection between HPC and hyperscale. And we've been talking in previous podcasts about some of the uh, cloud infrastructures that are out there now finally getting beefier HPC-oriented components in order to handle a lot of these machine learning and deep learning kinds of applications that are finding a home or a potential home in public cloud resources. Now we see this taking another step where Cray is starting to ponder what role it's going to play with being a traditional supercomputing provider for machine learning and deep learning kinds of applications. Yeah, and you had to know this was sort of coming because it's it's too tempting for a company like Cray to to have the technology that's suitable for deep learning, especially deep learning training, and not to sort of take advantage of that. So, especially since you know their their competitors like IBM and HPE already have these platforms. I mean, we talked about the IBM uh, Power. Uh, NVIDIA GPU server that that they've talked about very recently and something that's going to be targeted for the deep learning market and and Cray wants to compete against that because they have the same types of technologies so presumably the same customer uh, uh, base that they could they could also address with that so you know I talked with Steve Scott uh, fairly recently and he he talked about it in quite glowing terms as far as what it would mean to Cray. I mean, he he characterized it as uh, something they're they're actively working on. There's going to be presumably some announcement at probably in the not too distant future, since you know sort of all the componentry has come together. I mean, with the the, the Nvidia GPUs, and I think they are thinking about a GPU based deep learning machine. Uh, I think they're going to come out with something relatively soon. Um, and they consider this a strategic uh, uh, application area for them. I mean, they, they realize, they sort of see the writing on the wall that there's going to be a lot of growth in this area. And it's something that a lot of 
um, customers outside of their traditional customer base are going to be interested in, and they're going to take that opportunity. Now they're looking at at all customers. They're not going to. They're not just saying it's just deep learning for HPC customers uh, doing those types of things. They're also looking at the hyperscale customers and eventually enterprise customers as well, where these deep learning systems are going to filter into. So uh, again, they're looking at a way to expand the space, expand their customer base, and take advantage of the technology they have, plus the advantage that they think they have in being able to build um, a scalable platform that's sort of difficult to come by today. They want to build very large deep learning systems uh, that can handle much larger, more interesting problems than than maybe what you get today. So they're they're definitely looking at the high end of this space as well to, to differentiate themselves. Yeah, there's a lot to like about this strategy for Cray, and, and a lot of reasons it makes sense, although I would also cite a couple of words of caution as they evaluate what the business opportunity is here. But starting with the pluses, first of all, Steve Scott is the perfect guy for this. I mean, he, he's got this great supercomputing heritage. He goes from Cray, does a rotation at Google, does a rotation at NVIDIA, then comes <laughs> back to Cray. You talk about a guy who's been exposed to all the right areas and is, is entrenched in this line of thinking. There, there's no one I would want uh, better to be in charge uh, of this strategy than Steve. He's got a perfect perspective for it. I think Cray has a lot of really relevant technologies to bring to bear. And as we've said publicly on this podcast and in our research reports, we think that uh, that AI and machine learning and deep learning, this is going to be a transformative space that's going to start becoming entrenched in the fabric of where IT is going. Uh, so there, there should be an opportunity there. Um, the only cautions would come on how you look at this from a business perspective. In the near term, even among normal HP, traditional HPC or supercomputing types of customers that we look at, to the extent that they'll be investing in this, they'll be doing that out of the existing budgets that they have. There were a lot of supercomputing companies that bought analytics supercomputers, but that was just the supercomputing cycle that they went into. I'm going to buy a supercomputer. This one's going to be for analytics. We did not see any kind of substantial bump in supercomputers or in HPC at all as a result of big data and analytics. And and that kind of extended through the enterprise where people were reassigning the value of of systems they already had. So if you're counting on there being a big revenue bump in the near term in systems in general, no. But you do have to be on it because people are going to say, well, now I want a machine that's capable of machine learning. So you don't want to miss that opportunity. And then the last thing I'll say about it is that I, I hope they don't have a whole separate branding initiative like they did with Yark Data. I think that was uh, kind of a misbranding that was that uh, there was a misstep by Cray. They would have been better off just marketing them as Cray supercomputers all along. And and that's the, the line I would stay on here. If you're going to do it, let's make it be a Cray. Yeah, I have a feeling that's what is going to be going forward. Um, Steve didn't give me any hints on, on how they're going to brand this thing, but he talked about it in in the context of uh, an extension sort of of their data analytics strategy which they've sort of normalized now they've gotten rid of yark data yeah they folded all that back into cray eventually yeah so so this is sort of just a, not a, not so much a special case but sort of a a large subset of data analytics um talking about deep learning training and even other areas of of AI, they look at it as, as part of that aspect of their business, where it has a more diverse customer base and a more data focused than 
than some of the traditional HPC applications. Um, and they also envision a, a time, probably in the not-too-distant future, where you can sort of mix and match these different pieces in the same system. You can buy nodes uh, that are more applicable to, say, you know, deep learning or AI or, or, or data analytics, and then other nodes that are more applicable to, you know, physics simulations, and people are going to buy these together because they might have dual uses uh, for their particular uh, mission. So they're going to do it, I think, in a more integrated fashion than 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 just sort of coordinating off this into a separate line. But but we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, nothing's been announced yet. They're, they're in the thinking stage. They're actively working on it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm expecting to see something uh, sooner rather than later. But, you know, we'll have to wait. Yep. It's just that at this point, we're not ready to forecast any kind of major growth in the HPC market because of machine learning or deep learning. It's not that people won't run those applications. I think they will. We just haven't seen at this. We're doing more research on it, but we haven't changed our, our five-year forecast based on machine learning to say people are going to spend more in order to do this. And then similarly, where we do see the, the, the increase in investment, that's primarily in the hyperscale side. And, and, uh, and most of machine learning has been driven by the cloud providers so far. So right. you will see new investment, but it's going into public cloud. So, you know, is Cray going to consider one of those cloud providers to be in the target market for a deep learning supercomputer? Possibly that's going to be the sort of thing they need to consider as they ponder this new supercomputing effort. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's where they they see it as strategic uh, uh, investment here. They're looking at new customers, not just selling to their old customer base where you'll have incremental uh, uh, revenue from people adding sort of these deep learning things, but new customers that they haven't had before taking these things up, like the hyperscale companies and uh, eventually like the enterprise companies that 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 haven't had these uh, haven't had their exposure to their technology before, but we'll see going forward. And, and uh, yep. you know, there's there's definitely a lot of interest here. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. Like I said, it's not the only one, and it's not going to be the last one to to delve into this space. And uh, I I think it's going to become sort of normalized throughout all of the vendors in this community in in short order. Oh, yeah. And we've started our end user research on the hyperscale market. Machine learning, deep learning is a major part of that. So we're looking forward to giving our clients and and uh, and readers guidance on that as we uh, cruise into supercomputing and beyond. Excellent. Looking forward to that. All right, Michael. Good stories this week. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.